Welcome back to the Edit Community Spotlight podcast series. On today's episode, Edit intern David McCuskey sits down with Matthew Graham. Matt is the program coordinator for the Community Health Apprenticeship Program, or CHAP, at Chicago House and Social Services Agency here in Chicago. We've been thrilled to work with them over the past two years, ever since Chicago House received the inaugural Edit Community Award for Research and Evaluation Services, and we're excited to share their incredible work with you today. Listen in as David and Matt talk about the CHAP program and the role of the community health worker in a contemporary health context. Great. All right. Well, I want to say welcome to everyone and uh, especially welcome to our guest, Matt. Um, Matt, would you like to introduce yourself? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, thanks for having me. Uh, my name is Matt Graham. I am the uh, Chicago House and Social Service Agency's Community Health Apprenticeship Program Manager. Great. And uh, do you want to give a little bit of background as to yourself and uh, what you do in this role? Yeah, absolutely. So um, the Community Health Apprenticeship Program, or CHAP as we call it, is um, a project of the Chicago House uh, Employment Division. So the program is housed in employment, and the idea is to help Black and Latinx LGBTQ people um, from communities most affected by HIV and AIDS, uh, careers in community health. So um, we sort of use all the resources of the employment division at Chicago House um, to help people uh, on this career path towards community health. Um, the program is six weeks long. It, uh, we do four of them a year, and the program itself works in like three major components. The first of which is education. So. Um, we make sure that everyone uh, is well-informed on topics around HIV, community health, um, lots of other, uh, any other sort of like topics in community health that are going to be relevant to community health workers in the city of Chicago primarily. Um, and then the second major component of the program is certifications-based. So everyone in the program is certified as an HIV tester and counselor through the city of Chicago, through the Illinois Department of Public Health. Um, and then there are some additional certifications as well. People are certified as mandated reporters, um, overdose prevention workers. Sometimes we do trauma first response training. Um, they get trained on different devices for like HIV and STI testing. Um, and then that third component is um, employment. So everyone in the program works with a career specialist at Chicago House, and that's someone they can work one-on-one -on -one with to uh, develop goals and then really start working on um, some of those things like resumes and cover letters and then actually applying for jobs. Um, it's, not, uh, it's not like a placement program. We don't uh, place people in jobs, um, but uh, we have a lot of success with various community partners throughout the city. Um, we've had good luck uh, getting people careers in this field or jobs that we hope can turn into careers for them. So do a lot of your participants end up working with Chicago House, or do they sort of disseminate all over Chicago? So um, lots of people come into the program with the idea that they are sort of doing this apprenticeship to work at Chicago House, mm -hmm. which is not the case. But um, over the past, uh, the program's uh, going into its third year now. So for the past two program years, um, I believe we have hired on uh three or four uh, former apprentices at Chicago House mm -hmm. um, in various uh, departments too. Sometimes it's in testing, um, sometimes it's in like outreach um, through our HOPE department is what our, like our testing and outreach HIV prevention wing is called. Um, but we actually just hired a former apprentice as uh, like on the employment team uh, to work sort of like 
very close to what we do and what I do. So that's a very exciting opportunity to be able to um, offer that to people as well. If it's um, something when positions become available, we always try to think of our apprentices if they might be a good fit. Definitely. Very cool. So what, could you tell us a little bit about maybe your experiences in the past and what has brought you to the uh, chat program? Yeah, um, I can do sort of like an abridged version of how I got here. Yeah. Um, I uh, started off in a lot of different career paths that don't have a lot to do with community health. I um, got a uh, bachelor's in advertising and public relations at Loyola about 10 years ago. Um, and then uh, sort of stayed in the city, worked in publishing for a while. I worked in fashion for a, a time. Um, and then sort of... Uh, didn't really like either of those things or I don't know I just wasn't getting enough out of them and it was pretty easy for me to walk away from them when I was finding problems in either the industries or the places I worked in um, so I took some time to sort of um, think about what it was I wanted to do next and I was like a nanny for a year which gave me a lot of time to think about that um, I did some informational interviews with people um, I had this interest in sort of social justice and also healthcare and, and the intersections therein, but I didn't really think I had the background for it. So, again, I did some inter uh, informational interviews with people, uh, went to some like grad fairs and stuff like that, and um, I came to um, this work and public health through the Community Health Science Program at um, the University of Illinois in Chicago. Um, a lot of public health programs. Um, are either epidemiology or like behavioral health sciences. Um, UIC has a, a lot of different programs. One of them is community health and I spoke to some people there and they really spoke to the idea that my background would be really beneficial and could be a really good segue into that. Um, so I did a, the Masters of Public Health program at UIC. I did it pretty quickly. I'm not, I don't love being in school. I did never think that I would go back. Um, but uh, I got to study under a lot of great people there, um, learn a lot about specifically things around like community-based participatory research and sort of like looking at the different projects that people at UIC were doing, um, and uh, it got me thinking about community health as an option. And then also LGBTQIA plus health is something that's very important to me too. Going into grad school, I didn't know if that was going to be something uh, that I was going to be able to do if I had the capacity or uh, even just sort of like the personal bandwidth. I didn't know if it would be something that I'd be up for, but um, pretty quickly uh, in grad school, I found that those were sorts of topics and projects I was gravitating to. Mm -hmm. And in my cohort, um, there weren't a lot of other people who were interested in that work. There weren't, um, there weren't uh, a ton of people of color, and if there were people of color, they didn't have sort of... Um, queer intersections, and so it became this thing where uh, it was something I was more attracted to, and then by the end it was something I felt sort of almost a responsibility to do with the skills and knowledge that I was gaining there. Um, during grad school and after, I worked uh, in like HIV prevention and interventions proper at the uh, Puerto Rican Cultural Center, mm -hmm. um, which was great experience, and um, working in interventions uh, and coming from grad school was a really sort of interesting way um, to get in the field. I worked on an HIV testing team. I wasn't an HIV tester myself. Um, but it was a lot of, uh, it was a great experience, and then through someone I had worked with at PRCC, 
um, I heard about this opportunity uh, with Chap at Chicago House. Um, it was kind of a really good mix of the things that I love to do. I love, um, you know, I love working with clients, um, working with people directly. I love, um, I love programming uh, and getting to develop a program and see it continue to grow. And I also love um, the research components that I get to do. Um, I, I, we partner with you all here at ISGEM mm -hmm. um, on our research and evaluation, so that's a cool aspect too. It's a, it was sort of like a, a perfect merger of the things that I was interested in. Absolutely, yeah. Is that what you asked? Did I answer that question? Yeah, that is, that is a wonderful <laughs> response. For um, <laughs> Not what you asked. Yeah, but... Um, so you talk about this intersection between um, public health and social justice mm -hmm. um, and how you've always sort of been interested in that. Um, what is it about the CHAP program specifically that sort of uniquely fills this, this, this niche? Yeah, so I think um, I spoke earlier about the goal of the program is to help people uh, in these communities affected by HIV um, start careers in the field. But um, it's also uh, this idea of sort of like building public health and community health infrastructure like um, in the communities that need to be making decisions around these things. Um, and I think that a lot of, like you heard a very long story just now about sort of like my background and my entry into the field, which was very um, academic and very formalized. Um, and lots of people from uh, communities that are most affected by a lot of, um, you know, public health issues and problems, especially here in Chicago, uh, don't have the types of resources or maybe don't have the time or, I mean, like, maybe just don't have the interest in the way that uh, getting a formal education in order to, to get a job like this um, maybe that's not something they're interested in. So to try to think, to try to reframe ideas about how people get into the field is um, something that I think uh, has a real social justice lens to it. Um, just trying to think about um, people who, in my opinion, people who need to be there. Lots of people use language like people who need to have a seat at the table and mm -hmm. who, um, and rather than um, sort of lifting people up or handing people a microphone so that they can um, so that they can input it's like why can't we build that infrastructure sort of like from the ground up um, to get people all of the experience and knowledge so that they can decide like what they want their part uh, to be in um, working in their own communities or working in communities um, that they want to work in uh, so I think uh, we spend a lot of time in chap talking about that, that um, not only the idea that it's not just a job that, because I can get people jobs, um, that's easy. Our employment department is wonderful and we have amazing resources to be able to get people into jobs quickly and to keep people in jobs as well. Um, but this idea of finding a career and something, having it be something that you're passionate about for whatever reasons, uh, I think that that also speaks to a little bit of social justice and equity and employment as well, which, again. Absolutely. And so, and so you talk about building this infrastructure in these communities from members that are actually part of the community mm -hmm. so that not only just a voice at the table, but they're actually a part of the systems mm -hmm. um, that we all operate within. Um, I feel like that's kind of at the essence of what a community health worker is. 
would you want to speak to the role of community health workers in that process? Yeah, or? so I uh, community health is, um, the way that I see it is if you look at what public health is, which is the idea of wanting to um, sort of help people live healthier lives and prevent disease at this population level, mm-hmm. um, community health is the idea that um, communities uh, have sort of a very specific can have very specific roles in achieving those goals. And also that communities uh, themselves can sometimes be microcosms of things that we see at a population level, or sometimes uh, and oftentimes that communities themselves hold the key to solving sort of larger um, population uh, level health concerns. So I think... um, I think, yeah, I think the role of community health workers and a lot of times... And we actually see, like... I looked up a bunch of public health definitions before coming here because they are really varied. And they do, even general uh, public health definitions include the term communities a lot more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think community health thinks of communities as being something a little bit more specific um, and intrinsic to certain individuals and places. Um, that's something that was very much, that we very much got a sense of. Um, in my graduate program, um, and it's something that I've uh, very much sort of uh, gravitated towards um, in the public health field, like the idea of looking at a health problem um, or like some issue or some inequity and thinking about like, well, what communities are affected by this? Like, if we're looking at a big like prevalence for something like is that prevalence like fueled by a certain community that we're either not paying attention to or doesn't have resources or whatever it may be so I, I think uh, community health work is um, I, for me it's sort of a starting point um, for a lot of things but also it's this idea that even if community health work stays in communities that there is value to that as well Absolutely. that um, communities themselves deserve to be um, to like play a role in, in what they want their futures to look like and what they want the health of their communities to be. And there are so many conversations nowadays sort of about um, health equity in general and that, that term being used so often. Um, and I feel like you can't even mention the words health equity without talking about the concept of community yeah. um, because they're so, they're so interrelated in that sense. Um, but so... You're recruiting participants from these communities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that's unique to the community health worker is their sort of more intuitive understanding of the communities that they work within, right? Um, do you ever do you ever have to integrate this sort of perspective in your training? Are there is there oftentimes this way to operationalize this understanding of community, or is it something that's sort of inherently in the participants of the program? Yeah, so that's a great question. I think um, the... So the way that the program, like, at face value works is it's six weeks of us being together in what sort of resembles a classroom setting. It's not a classroom. I'm not a teacher. Um, But it's a lot of... um, It's a lot of, like, pretty 
sometimes dry factual information. Like we go over like CDC guidelines for like testing and linkage to care for HIV positive patients. And Mm -hmm. we go through like the Illinois Department of Public Health's paperwork and we read things that are from all sorts of like um, academic sources. Um, And we do that as this jumping off point with the understanding that like the knowledge that um, we have as community members is really going to is really going to shape the way that we use this information and we get to have lots of good conversations around like when presented with information or learning like what of it is of the most value uh, what of it was not written with our communities in mind um, where do we see opportunities for either intervention or change or um, other things like that. Um, I think uh, because the program is actually an employment program, um, the individuality of each um, client, each apprentice, uh, is something that's beneficial in that because um, we don't have to always like uh, like put we don't always have to put everyone's perspectives into the work uh, or like the curriculum to constantly um, expand on it and add new perspectives because each group that we have we get to build around the perspectives that we have and then because the individual clients are looking for their own career paths like we uh, and the career specialist especially who work with them to look for jobs uh, get to sort of like get to really work with uh, each apprentice and be like, what is it that you value in a workplace? What, Where is it that you want to be? Like, mm-hmm. how can we get you to a place where your skills and your knowledge and your understanding of your communities is going to be the most effective and the most rewarding for you? Um, so that's something that's really nice, um, sort of having this. Um, really, uh, the curriculum is very well put together. It's at, it's at least very... Um, like comprehensive, um, and it's always interesting to see the way that the participants um, want to talk about it, or what they latch onto, or what's important to them, mm-hmm. or what isn't. Um, to really, each time we go through the program, um, even though we keep things like on our end very similar, like there's just um, there's a really wide breadth of uh, of things that the apprentices. Um, not just take from the program, but really put into it, um, which is really nice to see. Definitely. Um, so when, from a recruitment perspective, a lot of the communities and a lot of the individuals, um, that you're working with bring their own perspectives and their own experiences, just like you were talking about, and that changes how they engage with the program. But a lot of times, um, these communities that you're recruiting from are oftentimes vulnerable to like HIV and so um, there's a lot of medical mistrust and for good reason in these communities um, because they've been disenfranchised by the system and so almost having that that mistrust can be a valuable perspective in itself but how do you come at that from a recruitment perspective a lot of the time? Yeah so um, recruitment itself is very interesting Um, communities uh you know, communities most affected by HIV and AIDS in Chicago are, that's a really, it is specific, but it also, like, there's a lot of leeway to that as well. The inclusion criteria for the program is um, participants have to be um, identified as black and or Latinx, um, LGBTQIA+, um, 
or, or and um, they have to be between 18 and 34. So um, there's a lot of different types of people who come through the program, and it's really interesting and really, you know, one of my favorite parts of the program is going and uh, we interview people for the program. It's, it's competitive. We have small cohorts. People come in and going through those interviews and seeing all the different types of people that come in um, who meet all that inclusion criteria and have so many things in common, but so many differences as well. Um, people come with different, like, levels of educational attainment. People have different experience in the field. There are people who come in who have no experience in the field, and they say, this is something I'm really passionate about. But I don't know how to get into. I don't know how to get into this work, mm-hmm. um, and yeah, with that, people come with very, very different perspectives all the time. Uh, it's uh, it's really great and really interesting, and constantly. Um, uh, it's sometimes it's challenging um, to have all these different perspectives, but um, for the most part. Uh, it, because people are there for a common goal, everybody's really interested in this idea of discussing those differences and having um, different conversations and learning about new perspectives mm-hmm. with the understanding that it's uh, that all of that can be valuable to, um, to be in a field. Um, and I also love that we have the space in the program to talk about things like why does medical mistrust uh, exist in communities and really ask people to think critically about um, what things are on the surface, but what things, like, what other things are there, and also what things affect us personally, and what our experience has have been, because um, we are people from these communities. So uh, I think those have, I mean, they've only provided opportunities for learning and growing and um, hearing new perspectives, and, like, I hear new perspectives all the time. Um, from our apprentices, and uh, it's always good to be able to hear those, um, and it's really valuable for the apprentices as well, uh, especially coming from a place where um, you may have, you may experience medical mistrust, but maybe it's um, because of, um, I don't know, maybe it's because there's not uh, things that aren't talked about in different communities, or different information that is kept from people either on purpose or just um, we have lots of conversations about like learning backgrounds around stuff on community health like a lot of people uh, are um, critical and uh, have lots of questions about processes and bureaucracies and it's just because we don't talk about them or we on an academic side or like a bureaucratic side determine that like they're too complicated for everybody to understand and we're just trying to give people the information that's going to be the most useful for them Mm -hmm. without understanding that people really do um they do want to know sort of like what is behind the information that they're being told um even the idea that I talk, we teach our apprentices about um, the HIV life cycle, um, but then once we go into testing and certification, it's mm-hmm. like, you, I, like, I know that you know all about antibodies and antigens now, but like, is that going to be something that's valuable for your client? And then being able to sort of like see that and reconcile that as a group, like, what, uh, what mistrust will my clients have of me now that I'm sort of like part of this um, part of this machine, right. this public health industrial complex or whatever it is. <laughs> and then like what can I do to combat that and what can I do to demystify this for people? 
um, now that I'm a part of it, now that I've seen more sides of it. Um, so I think that that's uh, something that I really appreciate the opportunity to be able to do and to talk about. Um, because again, being from a, an academic background, it's like, I think that uh, I think that there's a lot of a lot of really gatekeepery things that that go on, um, and to sort of question um, why we do those things, like what what if any is there value to that, like what is the value of breaking those things down um, and um, sort of making that information available, but also like how to do that in a way that's inclusive. Um, that doesn't ask people to come to you um, and you can really meet people where they're at mm -hmm. is something that like for me is really exciting um, to do and it's also really exciting to be able to do that with our apprentices who are in a slightly different position than I am so yeah. absolutely and that's sort of the unique role of the community health worker is mm -hmm. that you sort of sit between these two worlds in a sense that don't necessarily always communicate very well so yeah I guess sort of speaking to that role a little bit, like, um, would you say that, like, a core tenet of being a community health worker is building trust with institutions and communities? Is it making institutions more accommodating to communities? Is it a little bit of both? Yeah, I think there's a lot to that. Um, the idea of building trust in communities is um, something that is really important to community health work. It has been really important to community health work. I think sort of ideas around that may stem from the fact that um, historically community health workers are not always from community. Mm -hmm. um, this idea that uh, you would need to build a lot of trust if you are someone coming in as an outsider. Um, we, uh, but it's still a really important component for our apprentices as well. Um, a lot of times that trust building looks different. It looks, um, maybe it looks like going from um, a member of a community, uh, but then switching into this role where you're sort of like working to help the community and like, uh, like what are the benefits and challenges of like serving your own community? Like trust looks different there. Um, trust looks different when um, you may come from this standpoint of, you know, not having trust of the system because of like historical and intergenerational trauma around it and the idea that um, interacting with what people often see as like this monolithic healthcare system mm -hmm. is something that can be challenging and then seeing people from from your own community in those roles um, may give people pause so building trust looks different it's um just because uh, just because I'm not training uh, a group full of like um, like white undergraduate students to go like work in and I did air quotes for people at home um, <laughs> working in communities uh, doesn't mean that there aren't different types of trust that need to be built from like with our apprentices and understanding like trust between like you mentioned not just themselves in the communities but themselves and in institutions um, the idea of making institutions um, easier for community members to interface with a lot of that starts with the process of the apprentices, like the idea of like how do people become a part of institutions, um, specifically speaking from a lens of employment because that's what I do, um, the ideas, ideas around like what are qualifications for being a part of some of these institutions and like what of those 
are um, things that are sort of fake? What are things that like we can question and um, sort of like ask to make uh, accommodations around if people are seriously interested in um, in sort of like working with people from communities or even working with communities at all? Um, which is uh, really which is the thing that I really like about the employment aspect of it. Um, we look at job applications or like yeah like. Uh, like jobs all the time where people are like I don't know that I meet the minimum qualifications for this and it's like well I am it, like I would like you to do that anyway and it's mm -hmm. like I'm in a position we at Chicago House in the employment division are in a position to be able to help people and sort of like negotiate with people and be like hey like what are these requirements like I have this person who just came out of this amazing program and they gained a ton of skills like do you feel like we could waive some of those like do you feel like the experience that this person has is going to be more valuable to you than a bachelor's degree in this this or or an other related field mm -hmm. so um, that's something that is uh, a really cool opportunity uh, and I think uh, from like a from a very public healthy uh, standpoint the idea that's sort of that idea of how the infrastructure can then hopefully ideally rather um, break down some of those more institutional barriers for community members uh, to interact with institutions generally mm -hmm. um, if you can begin to uh, sort of um, chip away at some of the inequities in those institutions themselves specifically by um, by helping people get into roles within those institutions uh, which can help them get to places where they have power and they have a voice and they have a say um, over sort of the directions that those things go. Um, ideally, um, the idea is that that will make it much easier than for community members to interact with institutions overall. Definitely. And so Chicago House, in order to have these conversations, um, they obviously have to have some sort of rapport with some of these organizations. Um, yeah. Um, my predecessor... Uh, hustled really hard to put this program together um, and I think that they did a really good job of sort of like building a lot of relationships um, they came from a uh, they came from an education background um, this was a real uh, when this project was being put together it was something they were really passionate about um, it, so they built a lot of those relationships and a lot of uh, relationships with not only community partners um, to work with the program, but community partners for employment as well. Um, when I came into the role, I had a lot of those. Um, I had a lot of those relationships built already. I had a lot of those connections. I found myself to be connected either through grad school or former work to be connected with a lot of our community partners already. Mm -hmm. um, so it's been a unique challenge for me to try to think about um, like what. Uh, sort of like growing those partnerships and what growing that rapport looks like a lot of times it's pretty um, a lot of times it has come really easily a lot of times it's a community partner who we reach out to and um, you know uh, we have a number of ways that community partners get involved in the program and I, I could have mentioned this earlier when giving sort of like a broad overview so we do um, we have people come into the program so this cohort, we're in a cohort right now, so far we've had uh, like a uh, MD-MPH student from here at Northwestern, we had a, um, we have a clinical 
a researcher who has a non-traditional educational background. We have um, like professors of public administration from IIT. We've had phlebotomists and um, team members at Chicago House, HIV testers from various organizations around the city, um, people who've been working in HIV for a year, people who've been working in HIV for 35 years. So um, these community partners uh, come to sort of like, you know, they honestly just donate their time to the program because they really care about um, the people in the program and sort of like what we're doing. Um, we take a lot of care in providing community partners to come speak to our apprentices that um, are very near peers to them, are people that um, look like them or have career paths that they could see themselves in and have valuable um, things to talk about their own uh, sort of career trajectories. Mm -hmm. So um, that's uh, those community partners are involved with us um, because they care about the program, but also it can be as simple as, you know, if they trust in this program and the apprentices that come out of it and the skills that they have, like, they can reach out directly and be like, hey, like, we have a position open and we would like, we, we would like to know if you have any apprentices that, that might be available to interview, um, which is as much to me as somebody who works in employment feels like some magical dream jackpot that if people do that, like, it, people need people to work at their organizations and that is a really challenging process. So taking any of the guesswork out of it and be like, hey, I know that at the very minimum, People that come out of this program are going to have like a really extensive knowledge of like working community health practices within the city of Chicago. But beyond that, um, they're going to be people of really exceptional experience, um, just like personal experience, uh, to be able to bring to this work. And someone who's career focused and someone who's not going to leave this job after six months. Um, so that is a, that's a really important function of our community partners. We also have community partners who are just employers, um, people who people who initially, maybe in the first year of the program, hired an apprentice and really um, liked the work that they did. So they continue to reach out to ask about their apprentices when they have other, um, other roles available. And then we've been just incredibly lucky where um, the program has a positive reputation among those individuals. I have employers call me all the time who have never worked with us that say, hey, I have a community health position available, and we heard that your apprentices come really well trained, and we'd love to know if you have any to interview. Um, and then through uh, the, those, uh, those relationships are um, continually fostered on the back end by the work that we do in the employment division as well. So the career specialist that each apprentice works with will work with them for um, up to six months uh, post-employment. So after the six week of CHAP is over, people continue to work one-on-one -on -one with their career specialist, continue to apply for jobs, because that's not always a fast process. Sometimes we can make it happen really, really fast, um, but sometimes it takes longer. And then once people get that first job, uh, their career specialist will continue to work with them for up to six months afterwards, because um, that takes support too. Sometimes people are changing fields, sometimes people have never worked in the setting that they're going to work in before, um, and we want to be able to make sure that we can support people with anything they need. Mm -hmm. um, I, coming from like a very privileged background with my education and the way that I've been able to like move through career spaces, like 
I don't believe that anyone uh, gets anywhere without a ton of help, and anybody who says that they don't is probably lying. Um, so this idea of being able to provide people any type of support that they need um, to get where it is that they want to go. Um, that's something that's very important to me. It's important to us at Chicago House. It's important to um, the whole program. So, yeah, uh, fostering those relationships with employers happens in a number of different ways. And our, you know, people are constantly moving from being one type of community partner to another, um, which is which is really nice that it that it grows and changes, and people have opportunities to get involved all over the place. It. it is so cool to hear that, and it's also so interesting because when you think of an employment program, you think of almost like getting people ready to like fit the mold for mm-hmm. employment, but this program seems very unique in that it considers the experiences of the individuals that are a part of it, and it meets their needs in a sense, um, yeah. and sort of bridges that gap. Um, like There are so many discussions about... like. Um, sort of community-informed interventions. In this sense, it almost feels like a community-led intervention in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, would you generally agree with that? So, yeah, it isn't, um, again, it, it isn't an intervention in itself. Right. Um, but uh, this idea of the way that the program works, it very much feels like an intervention, especially to some of the participants who have been through a lot of interventions and mm-hmm. constantly sort of like reminding people that like this is a little bit different than that and we have bigger goals. Like once this program's over, it's not like that was great, now what do I do? It's like we want you to stay engaged and really think through this like job and career component to it. Um, but uh, yeah, I think ideas around... Um, uh, I don't know, I lost my train of thought. What was your, what was your question again? <laughs> sort of just, like, boiling back to this idea of, like, um, like a community-led oh, like program. Community-led. Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think so. It, it, it was interesting. I, I was smiling when you were talking about this idea of, like, trying to get people to fit a mold. We have, like, a lot of... I try... Um, just because of maybe the education I received or whatever, I try to always take, like... Or at least think about, like, what's the most radical approach to, like, everything we're doing at all times? So, like, a lot of times we face situations um, in the cohort where, like, it would be really easy to be, like, that's not something, like, that's not something that's necessarily going to work in a workplace. Or, like, sort of, like, if, like, stuff that, like, preparing people to fit a mold, like, there's a really strong... um, there could be a really strong sense from some individuals to sort of, like, teach professionalism in a certain way or talk about, like, professional dressing or, like, what what are professional ways to interact with your coworkers and your supervisors. Um, and, like, while I think that those things are really real because they affect people, um, I really try to more often than not take an approach of, like, okay, well... Um, if you are not going to fit some sort of mold, like, what is the most ideal situation that we can create sort of, like, around that? Like, if you want to work in a certain environment or don't want to work in a certain environment, like, that's kind of my job to find that for you. Um, And I, like, relish those opportunities. Like, there have been people who come through the program who don't like the um, group nature of it. And it's like, that's challenging because this is something that we do together as a group for six weeks. But if like if that's not what you want in work, if you're passionate about this work but you would prefer to work alone, like that's gonna be more challenging. But like 
that's that's our challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, so talking about ideas around professionalism, we bring in people um, to talk about these things with varying perspectives, and a lot of I, I say this all the time. The the apprentices like. Um, thinking about the idea that like more than one thing can be true at a time, and like that is can sometimes be challenging because we want to like have an answer for stuff. Um, but yeah, it's sort of continually um, trying to keep in mind like what expectations are of people in careers, in workforces, in community health, and then like asking questions and challenging like where do those ideas come from and like what about them do we think is valid and what of them do we think that we can challenge and push back on and what of them do we want to avoid um, if we do um, all of those things are options like all of these things are available sometimes it's going to be easier or harder to um, take like actionable steps but again that's that's kind of our job to be able to provide people um, what it is they want, uh, and I don't think I think in I think a lot of times in I guess in marginalized communities, if that's like a way that you like to think about it, sometimes we're not used to having a lot of options. Um, so just the idea of being like, well, what is it that you want? Like, what would what would be the best for you? Like, mm-hmm. maybe that's not what we can achieve, but like, what's your ideal? And then what are the things that that interest you about that and let's try to get you there like let's do everything that we can to get you what it is that not just what you need but what you want um that's very important to me mm-hmm. that's so interesting and I, I guess in a similar vein um but also maybe not that similar of a vein um I've been thinking about sort of like back to like operationalizing the role of a community health worker mm-hmm. um Oftentimes, community health workers have to navigate this, like, sort of very formalized process of health that we live in a very biomedicalized um, sort of health environment, Um, when in reality, like, the experience of health can be a much more holistic one than that. Um, How do you prepare these workers to sort of navigate that that tension between um, having to communicate these very biomedicalized systematic processes in health, but also meeting the needs of their community members uh, in a more sort of holistic way. Yeah, I think a lot of times um, what can help with that is sort of, again, this idea of like maybe demystifying the um, more biomedical, like health-driven side, because Mm -hmm. that is something that has traditionally been kept from a lot of people. Um, So demystifying it can help um, make it seem not so much at odds with those other parts. Um, but then also, like, working with very, um, sort of, like, almost really established ideas, um, in, like, public health specifically that, um, talk about community and what the role of community is and ideas around, like, um, I'm totally blanking, like, just different sorts of, like, uh, like theoretical frameworks around community and like different interventions and uh, things that I learned about in school and now totally don't remember what they are <laughs> at all. Um, just this idea that there is that we we want to think about the more holistic aspects of community and of community health as being, um, if not already a part of this larger public health system, which may be part of this healthcare, part of this medical system, but if not, that there isn't a reason that they can't coexist, mm-hmm. um, to try to, um, sort of, uh, 
to sort of like assuage people's feelings that it might that there might be conflict therein, but um, if not that, that like conflict is something that um, like if we are in a space where we are taking care of ourselves and um, and doing uh, our work to the best of our ability, conflict is an opportunity for us to maybe create something else or to at the very least like challenge some idea that might not be serving um, people. Uh, specifically everyone in our communities. So in your program specifically this sort of demystifying process um, like how does that look? Does it does it look like framing these things in conceptual lights? Um, uh, a lot of, yeah sometimes but sometimes it's being like sometimes it's being like uh, Truvada as prep is a nucleoside reverse transcriptase inhibitor and if we know the life cycle of the HIV virus like where do we see that this drug intervenes and then like if we know what that cycle what that part of the HIV life cycle looks like and we know how it works like does that help us better understand like what this giant blue horse pill can do for our clients rather than like it's a pill that um can uh, help you not get HIV, but I heard that, like, six or seven people did, so it might be bullshit. Like, this idea that, like, talking about emtricitabine is, like, so, it's, it's very, it's a long word, and it doesn't necessarily mean anything to anybody, and that, like, this idea that's, like, well, let's just say what's important. Like, it's a pill that you can take once a day that can greatly reduce your chances of getting HIV, but that doesn't work for everybody. Um, that doesn't explain enough to people. Some people have questions, and some people have really valid questions, and, um, because they're people that prioritize their communities, when I hear things that, might sound even a bit like conspiracy theories it's like that's a, like information that comes from your community is really valuable mm -hmm. and how do we um, how do we talk about that and present perspectives that can either answer questions or like work with the knowledge that you have like yeah like if you heard that um, some people who were taking prep the right way um, Sarah converted uh, that's that's because of um, like medication resistant strains of HIV and like I have somebody who like works at a pharmaceutical company who can come in and like explain to you what medication resistance looks like um, so it is like and also I from someone who very much does not always appreciate the way that um, formalized educational institutions um, talk way above people's heads the idea of uh, of taking these concepts that a lot of people would think are really high level and like presenting them to people um, and being like how does that sound to you like what about it doesn't make sense what about it does make sense and I more often than not um, find that um, our apprentices don't have trouble grasping some of these concepts that other people think of as may think of as being like high level or like too medical or mm -hmm. like things like that um, because they, because there are implications, and what we do in public health and what healthcare does, like, isn't actually magic. Um, it's like science that um, works, and sometimes it's a little bit dry. But like, if you have questions and you want to know, like, that information is there. So just making sure that we can provide it to people can really help um, sort of pull the curtain back on a lot of it. Absolutely. Um, so. I guess that's a lot of what I was thinking about talking about today. Um, <laughs> what, 
you talk about the sustainability of the program, mm-hmm. building these sorts of infrastructure and these institutions in these communities. Um, how does that look in the context of the CHAP program? How does it look like for the future of the CHAP program? Yeah, um, so thinking about sustainability in a couple of different ways. One exercise I always do um, when we talk about public health and public health intervention and um, talking about like upstream and downstream approaches to problems, I always ask the apprentices, like, where do you think that this uh, program falls in that scale? Yeah. Um, from, for all intents and purposes, like, uh, this is a pretty downstream program. I help individual people, like, no more than, like, 30 a year um, learn skills to be able to get jobs. Um, when I ask the apprentices where they feel like this program lies, they say that um, they see it as being really far upstream. They see it as um, approaching and sort of tackling issues of, like, um, economic inequity because it's helping people uh, to get jobs. And um, for some people, getting a job is not just for them. It's for their family and for their friends. And the idea that if they are working in an institution and they know that... um, and they know other people who want to be there too, that like they can use that influence to bring people with them. Um, and to really sort of like work on an institutional level and to move sort of, remove sort of like um, structural inequities is not something that like I can, I can assert for the program right now, but it's really, um, it's, I think it's really useful and it also like feels very good to hear people who have spent so much time conceptualizing all of this information and then learning all this through the program and then being asked to reflect on their own experience, I'm glad that they see it that way um, because I think that um, provides them an opportunity to really sort of like move forward in that, um, in that spirit. Um, the program itself, um, the sustainability of the program at large, I think is something I think about a lot. Um, my goal, my goal, like, in my heart, it's not one that I like write down on my grant reporting stuff, but it's like, (laughs) I think that this program would be scalable in other geographies, um, in other cities. I would love to see what a program like this looks like in like Nashville or, um, or like Los Angeles or in Texas, like in places where, um, we see very different populations, but also people who are, um, struggling with a lot of community health need and particularly HIV and LGBTQIA issues um, at sort of higher rates. Um, I would be interested to see what this program looks like. And when I do the programming and develop it, I try to keep things like that in mind. I try not to do anything that like really specifically ties the program itself to maybe like Chicago House. I do think that like geographically like it would be challenging I say this, but I don't know. Um, that would be challenging if there, if somebody else were to like really try to do a program like this in the city. I don't know how many community health worker jobs like exist yearly. Mm-hmm. Um, it seems like not a million, but also, um, you know, there are other places who there. I get calls from organizations who can fully train their own HIV testers and counselors, but would rather them have gone through my program. And maybe that's that they don't want to train the people. Um, maybe it's um, something nicer, like they hear good things. But um, either way, I think the sustainability, um, for me, uh, I would love to see 
it scales to different places, different geographies, different communities. Mm-hmm. Um, but here in Chicago, I think the sustainability of the program, a lot of it lies, a lot of it lies in um, this idea that um, ideally people who go through the program are able to continue to move up in the in the jobs that they work in. And we've seen that even in the first two years of the program. People work as HIV testers and counselors for a while, and then they become case managers, or they become prep navigators, and then those spots open up. And a lot of times, those spots, they refer directly back to us, and they're like, hey, like I'm getting a different job, and this one's available. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's nice. Um, we initially... One reason that HIV testing and counseling is something, I mean, for besides all of like the very impactful public health reasons, like HIV tester and counselor jobs turn over really quickly, and a lot of times, um, it's they're turning over because people have that job and then they either burn out and don't want to do it anymore, or don't um, necessarily have the um, resources to see it as like a career path or. Maybe their organization doesn't encourage things like that. So these jobs are turning over really quickly. Um, and we're able to hopefully get people in those positions that are looking at them as starting starting places for them, either in those organizations or in um, sort of the larger Chicago community. So I think that helps the program to be sustainable in a really practical way, that people are that A, a lot of those jobs still turn over fairly quickly, and that um, the ones that we are putting, are, that we're able to help our apprentices get into, um, they uh, move up from them, and then those positions become available as well. It's also sustainable through, um, the program still runs primarily, recruitment runs primarily via word of mouth, which like, I'm constantly looking for new ways to recruit, because at a certain point, like can't keep just reporting that like yeah people come to me like I, I want to have a more formalized recruitment structure um but a lot of the apprentices who go through the program really specifically recommend people like they go to their friends and they're like hey I think this is something you should do like is it something that you think you could like you have to be serious about the program and like it's they the referral is great like mm-hmm. being able to um like little chap legacies we like is basically what they are I mean and that's really helpful other people referring to their friends like and then also like in this um in the larger like Chicago community health um community uh case managers from all over the place are like looking for opportunities for um their clients and um you know they reach out to us as well so we get referrals from all over the place in in um in addition to just like the recruitment so sustainability there is still um, there's still a lot of interest in having people do this work um, but there are a number of things that sort of sustain it beyond that and then there are other aspects like larger collaborations like that have to do with like funding and big like organizational things like sometimes people come to us and they're like hey what if I wanted you to train like 10 HIV testers at a time because I need them all for this one thing and it's like those are big ideas too that mm-hmm. that can work with the program as well so I think there's a lot of opportunity for sustainability 
Definitely. I can also imagine there might be this sort of echo effect of graduates from the program who move into a position, move up in those organizations, and then you might start seeing more programs that look like this as mm-hmm. they actually understand the success of it themselves. Yeah, so. maybe. I, and that's something that um, I am on the lookout as, because again, we're entering the, the third program year now, mm-hmm. and um, every day... Uh, not every day, but, like, all the time, um, there is, like, sort of more interest from, like, organizational perspective. So I'm interested to see, like, uh, what the future of this looks like. And also a lot of that has to do with, I don't know if people are familiar, but a lot of things, uh, a lot of public health work from, like, Illinois Department of Public Health in Chicago, Department of Public Health, are switching to models now where they are putting a lot of um, a lot of the training and things like in the hands of the individual organizations. Right. That's actually where this project came from. Um, IDPH was like, we're going to certify organizations to certify HIV testers and counselors. And Chicago House is just the only one that built a program around it because it happened where we were looking to get this funding and looking to create a program and this was just presented a really good opportunity. Um, but as we move forward, I'm really interested. Uh, I know that lots of people are moving to, I think recently, like partner services for like HIV and STI notification are now going to be the responsibility of individual um, organizations. So there, it looks like there's also gonna be continued opportunities to not just expand the program, but also create different types of programs that do sort of similar work can see lots of lots of opportunity for things like that absolutely well i just want to thank you for speaking with me a little bit yeah uh, of course. you make my job incredibly easy with <laughs> your vast amount of knowledge and experience in this um so that's really cool thanks but i also want to open it up to everyone else for questions so if there's any questions um i might have to come hand or dylan will come hand the microphone off to you what do you find is the most challenging aspect of your of your position? So, um, challenges and opportunities. Um, I think uh, sustainably, it's very challenging because um, of the inclusivity of the project. Um, people come to the program with a lot. They come to the program because they have barriers to employment, right? But a lot of those barriers to employment are just like barriers uh, in life, and they're barriers to participating in a program like CHAP as well. So those kinds of things are um, those kinds of things are continually challenging. Like um, working with um, individuals who are like experiencing housing instability or like. Um, maybe have like uh, trauma around their different identities and like these are things that are barriers to employment but they're also barriers to the program so it's an opportunity for us to try to do everything that we can to um, address those barriers um, so that uh, so that they aren't barriers for other things we have the space to do that like there isn't a there's no mechanism to be like sorry if you like miss a bunch of days because you don't have transportation to get to the program like you're out like that doesn't benefit me um it doesn't benefit them um so like just being like okay so this is something that's coming up and um like how are we going to work around it or work through it um so that's a that's a challenge of a lot i mean like many of our clients in the employment division i think chap is an especially unique um place to 
try to address some of those barriers because we have the space to do it, especially because um, we're uh, trying to prepare people to go into spaces where um, a lot of their barriers may carry over. So for me, that's the most challenging. Um, I think uh, I truly like to like giving people this information is not especially challenging. Certifying them as HIV testers and counselors is not challenging. Like to a certain extent, even like getting people jobs is not challenging. Like they, I mean, we, we also do like lots of professional development in the program. So it's like, you know, we work on people's resumes and cover letters, but also like interviewing skills. We had an interviewing workshop yesterday. Um, what else? Networking, like all this stuff, like they're in really good positions. Um, in all those things, like getting people jobs isn't a challenge, but sometimes like the, sometimes their very real barriers can act as a challenge to those things too. So, um, it's constantly sort of like working around and trying to be open to, to being accommodating to people. Um, because again, it doesn't, it doesn't do anyone any good to like punish people for the barriers that they're facing. Um, even if it would be like, it, I don't even, it wouldn't even be more convenient for me to, to remove people from the program or not be able to like, or not have to like help them, um, address their barriers. I think, I think, uh, I, I, it's a challenge, but it's something that I think we are really well suited for in the employment program and especially in CHAP. Um, and it's an opportunity, I think, to um, to sort of help better serve people all around. Um, I'm just going to take this because uh, one of my uh, favorite things about working with um, working on some of the evaluation work that we do with CHAP is I've gotten to see like how successful your program really is, which has been really amazing and really exciting. So I wanted to just kind of give you the opportunity to brag for a second. Um, if you have any like success stories from graduates of the CHAP program that you wanted to share with us, um, I'd be really excited to hear them. Yeah, I mean, we have a ton of successes. My, my favorite successes are... I really love the opportunity we talked a little bit about earlier to be able to bring people onto our teams at Chicago House. That's something that um, a lot of people ask about. A lot of people go through programs and interventions in the city where it's like, oh, well, if I'm a client there, I'm not allowed to apply for a job in two years. And it's like things like that that I see as some of those barriers that we can really ask questions of um, and see, like, you know, like what what is of value to that and like what we might be able to change at Chicago House. Um, I think uh, especially because we have this employment division, like we're uniquely situated to be able to to bring people in to uh, roles at Chicago House because we can continue to support them through the employment program. It's like, it's like very meta. It's especially meta because we just hired someone on the employment program who like is a client of the employment program. So like being able to be like, and a lot of people see could see that as being like, that's a potentially like dangerous conflict of interest. But it's like, if we're transitioning someone from being our client to our coworker, like, as an employment department, I feel like we have a little bit of 
maybe not a responsibility, but certainly an opportunity to sort of like put our money where our mouth is as far as like, what's the best uh, possible scenario we can create for this individual to help set them up for success? Like, what is the absolute most ideal onboarding process and training process and like transition process for this individual? Like, because that's what we do. All we do is employment and we want to see those opportunities for our clients. So, um, like, I think that we really enjoy the opportunity to, like, create them ourselves, almost as a model. Um, other success stories, I really personally like just when people um, people stay really engaged. A lot of them do. Like, a lot of people even just reaching out to tell us about, like, maybe a new job that they got after they're even no longer a client or to reach back and say, hey, like, one time you talked about this thing in the cohort and like what was it again and like do you have that resource that I can show another person like that like like as someone who um you know I do this work for all sorts of reasons but like that's like really fun and just like sort of really fulfilling and rewarding um yeah I don't know uh seeing uh, seeing the apprentices out like doing the work that they want to be doing and hearing things like Hearing people talk about how much they love their jobs is like, um, like that's obviously what you want, but it's 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 something that uh, I'm really glad that people want to share with us, and also that they are in spaces that they want to be in. After I've like, you know, I, I after six weeks of telling someone that like this is going to be great for them, like I want it to be great for them. Um, so that's uh, that's something as well. I I you know we do pretty well on like our evaluation measures too, which a lot of them have to do um, with uh, things like how people like even just like feel about themselves or like the knowledge that they gained or how comfortable they are talking to other people about the topics they know about or how comfortable they are interacting like with the healthcare system. Like even to see um, people sort of like uh, gain confidence around those things is is really rewarding too and I think speaks to helping to maybe move the dial on some structural inequities um, in like in communities so yeah I don't know uh, tons of successes like I I think of like every every time that the apprentices respond positively to somebody who comes in and talks to them about their work like that's a success like every time that everybody shows up on time to a field trip somewhere. Like, that's a great success. Um, yeah, it's a, there, there's so many opportunities. We try to create a lot of opportunities for success and we try to eliminate a lot of opportunities for failure. Um, setting up situations in which people can fail is like, like not especially valuable. Um, and if, and even looking at things where people could see them as uh, being failures, if we're able to reframe those things as like opportunities, that's fine. Um, the program itself is great for that. We say that everything that we do is to either try to teach or work on some skill. Like if I ask you, if my project coordinator um, asks you to send her your resume, like it's also an opportunity for you to like work on your emailing and she's gonna blow out a red pen on it, um, circling email mistakes that you made. So um, just this idea that, um, everything we're doing is an opportunity for growth and learning and that people can take what they value from that um, to put it towards what it is they want to do and what goals they have. Any like practical questions? I feel like I tend to talk uh, like on sort of high level stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's, a, it's like a fairly, it's a 
for all of the way that we talk about it, um, it's, it's a fairly straightforward program. Um, and while there's a lot that goes into it, I think some of speaking again to sustainability, a lot of the more sustainable parts of the program are just that it is really straightforward. Like it's a, it's a set curriculum that satisfies different needs from a number of like resources that indicate that you are getting a, a like education, so to speak, on community health. And like we have all the opportunity in the world to expound on them and talk about them. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty simple. It's like you come, you, there's information presented. Some of it you may know, some of it you don't. You have an opportunity to speak to a lot of people. Um, like I, we help you write your resumes and cover letters. We help you apply for jobs. And then like anything you can do to help you support you getting that job and like um, and staying in that job are things that we want to do. So I think that that makes it um, that makes it sustainable as well. And also really rewarding. The speed of which the program moves is also like really rewarding to be like to see someone go from like. I don't really know, like, I don't know how to get into the field. This is just something I'm really passionate and really care about to, like, having a, a role in in that space within the span of, like, sometimes as little as six weeks. I We've had people get jobs while they're still in the program sometimes. Um, but, yeah, so, again, lots of opportunities for success, lots of opportunities for sustainability, um, but it is really straightforward, which I think is what you want. You want to keep things simple um, but impactful. Do you see this program expanding, or, or what do you hope for this program in the future if, if growth is a goal? Yeah, so from a public health standpoint, I am very used to this model of, like, you want a thing to do what it does as well as it possibly can, and then you want to do a different thing. But um, lots of people have different perspectives and are looking for expansion in other ways. For me, a lot of the expansion, um, I want to make sure that it expands in the right place, which I haven't really found anything that I really, that I think is as well crystallized as like HIV and community health. Um, we've talked about ideas of adding maybe like you know, medical assistant track or, like, phlebotomist training or, like, all of these other things, which, like, some of those are things that are easily added. Like, you know, um, like, opioids are, like, a hot topic right now, and it was really easy to incorporate, like, a Narcan naloxone training into the program. But, like, some things, like, you know, for existence, for instance, like, a, a medical assistant track is, like, that's something that takes a really long time and, like, what is the benefit of that over being able to like work in a community health setting where you might have an opportunity to like have like medical assistant training paid for by the company you work for or like do people want to and then from really practical standpoints like do people want to fund projects like that like is that um honestly like funding is a thing where it's like a lot of funders need a program to be like really sexy to them for whatever reason and like I don't I don't want to like chase things just for money for like expansion and I think a lot of um, grant funded programs like expansion is obviously very reliant on funding and sometimes it's like 
if that funding comes with tons of other requirements, like, is that expansion going to be the best for, like, the sustainability of the program? So I am, you know, I'm looking. I think one thing that we're looking to expand the program in just a little bit is trying to maybe add on more of a, like, not internship component, but, like, some like maybe immediately after the six weeks or in during like having people um, giving people an opportunity to like work in the field work in the field under like an internship or like a fellowship or apprenticeship a, a different one or something like that um, which I think there's opportunity for I personally tend to think that people can get jobs after this program because I've seen it done so many times because you know people come into the program obviously Sometimes people who come into the program come in because like they're overachievery types, which is fine. Like that's a total, that's a total great reason to like go through a program like this. But a lot of people are like, yeah, like I would love to do this internship or I would love to volunteer with these people. And like I'm sort of of the mindset that it's like, and it's not just well, it is just because I work in employment. But it's like you can get a job after this. Like you don't, if you want to gain experience through an internship, that's fine. But like can we look at the idea of trying to gain experience like on the job when where you're like getting paid and sort of like moving uh, closer to like achieving some of these goals. But um, again, that's up to individual um, clients if they really feel like they want to do internship experience or something like that. So we're looking at maybe expanding and adding little things to the program, but I do really value the um, I, I value how sort of like lean the program is right now to be able to like achieve the goal that it sets out to and to be able to like run it fairly um, consistently and then also like my dreams of scalability have to do with that too like if we expand too much like it wouldn't be replicable um, so yeah there's like discussion there's always discussions about ways to expand the program um, and I think when we find either the right piece of funding or the right idea to then like go after funding for like that's going to be something that um we'll definitely do but I think everybody's really cognizant of wanting to do it um like right so that we can like maintain um sort of like the integrity of the program or like at the very least like the fidelity of it.